Hello and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr Todd Fraser. Despite a number of advances in the care of patients who suffer non-traumatic out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, survival and quality of life for the majority remains poor. It is widely accepted as fact that elderly patients in these circumstances fare even worse. To assist clinicians in decision-making for this cohort, further information is required in regards to factors that impact on survival and functional outcome. Today I will be speaking with Dr David Grimaldi, MD, PhD, about the article Short and Long-Term Outcome in Elderly Patients After Out-of-Hospital Cardiac Arrest, a cohort study published in Critical Care Medicine. David works as a senior ICU physician in the Hospital of Versailles in France. So in this study, uh, we aim to assess the prognosis of elderly patients admitted in our intensive care unit after a successfully resuscitated out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. And we focused on elderly patients First, because we observed in our own unit a progressive increase in the number of admission of such patients through the years. And second, because we were worried about the possibility of futility of care in that age group. Can you tell me a bit about the study itself? How did you perform it? What did you do to go about getting your information? So uh, this is a good question. Basically, we analyzed the prognosis of elderly patients uh, that were admitted in our tertiary uh, center between 2000 and 2009. We have in our unit prospective registry of patients admitted after out-of-hospital cardiac arrest so that the data prospectively collected according to Epstein template, even if our analysis was retrospective. In addition of this registry, we aim to determine the long-term outcome, so we simply contacted all the patients that were discharged alive from the hospital, and we tried to uh, get them on the phone and to discuss with them to assess their cognitive function and their physical self-sufficiency. And if the patient was dead since his hospital discharge, so we consulted the medical charts and we try as much as possible to contact a proxy or the former general practitioner of the patient. And we we discuss with those people to uh, describe the health status of the patient before the dying process uh, has begun. And so we call that an indirect uh, neurological assessment. And with this uh, procedure, we, we have only five patients among the 60 ICU survivors that were lost of follow-up. Can you tell me about the measures that you used to define their outcome? You refer to the cerebral performance scale and the overall performance categories in your in your paper. Can you describe to our listeners what those are? Yes, absolutely. So the Glasgow-Pittsburgh Cerebral Performance Category, the CPC score, is a basic scale of cerebral performance, which is a reference scale used to uh, assess the neurological status of patients after cardiac arrest. 
It uh, ranges from CPC1 for patients that have normal cerebral performance or minor neurological deficits. CPC2 patients have moderate cerebral disability. CPC3 patients have a severe cerebral disability, and this level corresponds to a minimally conscious state. And CPC4 is uh, patients in a persisting vegetative state with uh, CPC5 corresponding to the death of the patients. So this scale is very common and uh, widely used in cardiac arrest field. But it does not take into account the physical self-sufficiency of the patients. And Dr. Safar has uh, also defined the overall performance category, the OPC scale, which uh, I must say is less used in uh, the assessment of post-cardiac arrest patients. But we thought it was important to assess the physical self-sufficiency in elderly patients. And the OPC range also from one to five. OPC one patients have a normal daily activity. They can get uh, out their home, uh, shopping, uh, travel alone. OPC two patients have a, a moderate disability. They cannot travel alone, for instance. And OPC three patients are patients with severe restriction dependent on other people for daily support, like eating or washing. Comatose patients that are on the bed 24 days are classified OPC4, and OPC5 is dead people. David, was it possible to determine their performance status before they had their out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, and was this factored into the results of your trial? This is a, an excellent question, Todd, and unfortunately, we, we could not define precisely the performance status before the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. What uh, we have uh, in the medical charts is a description of the patient, and we have to say that in the patients that were admitted in our ICU after out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, they were no patients with severe disability, severe previous disability, like very severe dementia or something like that. But we did not have a precise performance status for our patients. David, what were the main outcomes of this trial? What did you find? So we, we observed that the um, short-term survival of our patients and we define the short-term outcome as the CPC score at uh, ICU discharge. So we observed that nearly 25% of those patients had the CPC score of 1 or 2 at ICU discharge. David, you also looked at the longer-term outcomes of patients who survived their ICU stay. What did you find about those patients? So I would say this is certainly the most exciting finding uh, of our study. Concerning the, the survival, with at least six months of follow-up for each patient, but in the mean, we have a 28 months of follow-up, we observed that uh, nearly 70% of the patients were still alive after one year, 
and even more than 30% after five years. And moreover, when we interviewed the survivors, we noticed that most of the people, actually 90% of the patients, had no cognitive impairments, that means a CPC1 score. And when regarding their physical self-sufficiency, 75% of the patients were not physically affected with an overall performance category score of 1, and 25% of the patients had an OPC score of 2. But remember that uh, all these patients had more than 75 years old at the time of cardiac arrest, and the evaluation was sometimes several years after that, so it was really old people. So there was basically no severely disabled patients at the time of interview, and even in people that died between hospital discharge and the interview, when we talked to their proxies, we evaluate their CPC, their last CPC score and their last OPC score alive, and the cognitive and physical functions were quite good in those patients. So one of the take-home messages for me from this paper was that even though the outcomes for patients who are over 75 with cardiac arrest was overall fairly poor, that if they did survive their hospital stay, they tended to do reasonably well functionally, and over a third of them were alive at five years. Is that right? Yes, this is the take-home message, absolutely. Now, you also sought to set that in context by comparing it with a cohort of relatively well patients. Can you tell me what the results of that were? You are perfectly correct. We compared the survival of the patient that survived to ICU discharge with a big cohort, a big prospective cohort of elderly people in 3CT, and this cohort is named the 3C study, and we observed that the patients that were survivors of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest has a lower survival rate than these people included in the 3C study. We calculate what is called a standardized mortality ratios, and we observed that the patients that were survivors of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest has nearly a standardized mortality ratio of four comparing to out-of-hospital people. That means that their mortality rate was four times higher than those healthy people. And even when we look only to the people with past cardiovascular disease and when we compare these people with our patients, we observe that after cardiac arrest, there was still a significant higher risk of death among the time. So when you're comparing with patients, even patients who have known cardiac risk factors and indeed past history of cardiac events, survivors of -of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest were doing significantly worse than those patients. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. How do these results fit compared with other studies in this area, David? It 
gets well with other studies about elderly people that have cardiac arrest. A big, big study is a study from in-hospital cardiac arrest patients that were published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And in that study, they observed that the one-year survival was among 50% in patients that, uh, that survived to their cardiac arrest. So they have a similar rate of survival after hospital discharge, a little bit lower, but this was not the same population because in in-hospital cardiac arrest, patients are in the hospital because they are already sick. So they are more frequently uh, with comorbidities. But the one-year survival was around the survival that we observed in our study. There does seem to be a prevailing opinion in our industry that patients who have a cardiac arrest and are elderly will inevitably do badly. Were you surprised by the results that you found? Yes, it's a good question, Todd. I must acknowledge that, yes, I was surprised. In our mind, we performed this study uh, because we thought or we were worried that the results, the long-term results, will be very bad and that we were perhaps uh, perform uh, some care that were futile. But actually, I was surprised by the results and by the phone interview. Sometimes interviews were unbelievable. I, I remember that I have a patient that was on a golf course, and he told me, oh, call me back because I am with friends on a golf course. I call you uh, uh, in a few hours. Another one has traveled to Africa, to Zimbabwe in Africa, for his son's wedding, and he was on a safari when I took uh, with him at phone. So these results encourage us to, to treat these patients now until a neurological evaluation could be made. And if the, the neurological evaluation uh, seems to be good, we are confident that after that, a lot of these people will have a quite normal life. Interestingly, the vast majority of patients who had a poor neurological status died early on, and those that didn't die seemed to do very well. There seemed to be very few survivors who were left in a poor neurological state. That would be quite reassuring, I would have thought. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is the consequence of our uh, policy in uh, the ICU because we, we performed during the ICU stay the neurological evaluation. And if there is doubt about the neurological status, we keep the patient in the ICU, we wait some days more, and at this time, we, we discussed uh, with all team members, intensivists, nurses, neurologists, and so on. We take uh, all the pronouncing uh, variables uh, all together, and we uh, sometimes decide to withhold or withdraw life support therapies. And at that moment, uh, uh, patients are in palliative care, sorry, in the ICU, so for the vast majority of patients, they leave the ICU with correct, I would say, correct neurological status. David, that does raise one other explanation for the results, and that is that the end-of-life decision-making process in your hospital, and in fact pre-hospital too, 
may have effectively triaged the patients to survivors or non-survivors. And I guess if this strategy is not implemented the same way as you in other settings, that you might find different results. How do you see that? I am uh, totally agree with you, Todd. We could not observe this uh, pre-hospital triage, but in France we have something a little bit unusual for other countries because out-of-hospital resuscitation in France is delivered by an emergency team, which includes at least one trained physician in emergency medicine. So if a turn of spontaneous circulation is achieved, patients are then directly referred to the ICU, so we don't have patients in the emergency room. However, when the resuscitation process fails, Patients are not transported to the hospital and are certified dead on the field. So we have a triage at this point. And uh, for example, we conduct a one-year prospective study of whole out-of-hospital cardiac arrest in uh, Paris area during one year. And we observe that roughly uh, one-third of patients only were transported to the hospital. That means that two-thirds of patients were certified dead at home or uh, in the public place. And we couldn't, in our study, we could not measure this triage, this pre-hospital triage. And we think, we are not sure, but we think that severely disabled patients, patients with uh, very uh, severe comorbidities like uh, advanced cancer and so on, or patients with... uh, do not uh, resuscitation orders, were certified dead on the field and did not come to our ICU. And I guess if there were negative, potentially negative prognostic factors such as a prolonged no-flow situation that that may have influenced the decision to continue to? Absolutely. It may have influenced the choice of the pre-hospital team I must say that the mean of flow time in our study is short. Huh? The median time is three minutes, so it uh, highlights the fact that, as uh, you uh, mentioned, it's probably the patients with the longer no-flow time did not have the same attempt to get a return of spontaneous circulation. David, this was performed over a 10-year period. Were there any differences noted over that time period in the uh, the outcomes of care? So in the outcome, there was no difference. The good neurological outcome at ICU discharge was roughly 25% across the three periods. We separate the 10 years in three periods, between 2000, 2003, 2004, 2006, and 2007-2009. What was different was first the number of patients included each year during the three period. This is not in the paper because this is not controlled data, but uh, uh, roughly we, we had around 15 patients each year admitted out of hospital cardiac arrest with an age over 75 between 2000 and 2003 and it gets uh, to 30 patients per year during the 2007-2009 period. So this is the first change, an increase for such patients. And the second difference or the second evolution was that 
the median, the mean age increased across these 10 years, getting uh, from 79 years to 83 years old in mean across these three periods. And despite this increase in age, the short-term prognosis was similar. And this fact, again, played to, to say that among elderly patients, age is not a strong variable associated with outcome. I guess those results uh, reinforce the need for this study, doesn't it, that uh, patients are getting older and more patients in this position are presenting to your ICU? Yes, yes, absolutely. This is, I think, due to the fact that the people are, the, the elderly people in developed countries are increasing uh, incredibly because of the progress in medicine. And the second thing is that age is a risk factor, a strong risk factor for uh, cardiac arrest. For instance, uh, that were a study that observed that the rate of sudden cardiac arrest increased with age from 100 per 100,000 for 50-year-old men to 800 per 100,000 for 75-year-old men. We, we will face, I think, we will face more and more patients, elderly patients, that have an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Finally, David, what do you think are the implications for clinicians from these results? So our study is, uh, have some limitation. Of course, this is a monocentric study. It is retrospective, so I uh, will not give guidelines to clinicians. But uh, I think our results show that when uh, return of spontaneous circulation is obtained, the short-term neurological outcome can be good in a substantial proportion of patients. And that uh, the second important point is that if the patient is discharged alive with a good outcome from the ICU, its life expectancy can be high with an acceptable cognitive and physical functions. So I, I think the implication for clinicians is that we may provide adequate post-resuscitative care to these patients until neurological evaluation can be made. This uh, will allow to avoid self-fulfilling prophecy. And of course, uh, what I'm saying is not for all elderly people. This is selected patients without major comorbidities, with good performance status before cardiac arrest, and so on. David, congratulations on the publication of your paper and for your contribution to our understanding in this area. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Todd. Thank you uh, for your questions. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website, www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Todd Fraser. Learn how to effectively identify, diagnose, and manage patients who present with signs and symptoms of sepsis at the Sepsis Without Walls Conference to be held September 25, 2015 at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland, USA. This conference is held in partnership with SCCM and Johns Hopkins Medicine.
Visit www.sccm.org slash sepsis for details. Todd Fraser, M.D., is an intensivist and retrieval physician based on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland, Australia. Dr. Fraser completed his undergraduate training in Melbourne before undertaking specialist training in hospitals in Geelong and Sydney. His specialist career has included time as a director of intensive care at Mackay Base Hospital in Queensland, regional director of training for Care Flight Medical Services, and as a staff intensivist and flight physician. Dr. Fraser has extensive experience in critical care education, including simulation, web-based training tools, examination preparation courses, and instructional video. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.